Hi, I'm Kara Infante, and this is Bookish Flights. In each episode, I chat with one bookish guest as we take some time to sample and savor the pairing recommendations from their bookish flight. We hope to give you suggestions to cultivate your TBR list and nurture your leisure time through books. In today's episode, I am chatting with Matt Matson. He is an entrepreneur, public speaker, and author who has shifted a large part of his attention to the world of faith. He believes that the space between people is sacred, and he's on a mission to spread more meaningful human connection. I am beyond excited to have him on the show today with a topic that is near and dear to my heart. Welcome to the show, Matt. Thanks, Kara. I'm really excited to be here. I am really glad to have you here. Well, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about who you are? That's, of course, a really big question. Uh, I like to say, I don't like to say, I do say often because it's very true that I believe I was put on this planet to help people gather together to talk about the important stuff of life. Uh, I don't know where that came from. I just, I like said it one day to my buddy and uh, he was like, whoa, man, like that's, you should like that. You should write that down as a, so you're right. Like that matters to me that what I, what I just said, I, I believe I was put on this planet to help people gather together to talk about the important stuff of life. And I've done that in a number of ways in my career. Um, and uh, I've helped, I've helped student organizations on colleges uh, all across the country uh, gather people, more, more people together to, to do important things. I've done, I've done that with nonprofit organizations and community and civic groups. Uh, I've done that in the, in the faith world with churches and things of that nature. And, and that's where my, my life has sort of taken me lately. It's taken me to the intersection of faith or exploring people's faith, people finding or refinding their yeah. spiritual side the intersection of that and the way we connect as humans, the way we come together and how we can have more meaningful, maybe even sacred moments of human connection, just making our conversations and our interactions a little bit better. So my life sort of lives at the intersection between those two things. I'm not like a, I say I live in this, the, I, I do work in the faith world. I'm not like a ordained anything or uh, nobody, nobody's pointed at me and said, you're important. I just am interested. And to be honest, read a bunch and devour other people's brilliance and love the idea that I can have a conversation with people through their writing and then use that to become a better helper for other people. So I, uh, that's a, Boy, I've never introduced myself that way. That was, you know, anytime somebody's like, hey, who are you? Like, you always kind of take a different route. This is a whole different route today, Kara. Yeah. I hope that one makes sense. No, I love that. And I really think a couple thoughts were going through my head as you were saying that is, I think this is so important right now. I feel like sometimes I think as a country, we've never been so divided. Yeah. And so I think these opportunities to just improve our communication skills, to be able to to talk to one another, no matter where you're at on the spectrum of things, right? Yeah. But to be able to have meaningful conversations. But I also think what you're saying about you feeling this was your life's purpose. I feel like so many people are searching for that, right? Like that we're, mm. I know I pray about that often, like, what is my purpose here, right? And mm. so for you to know that and write that down and have a friend say that to you, like, that's important. And you kind of get that. 
that's awesome yeah. <laughs> for you to have that. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. And and who knows? I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is just what I'm trying to do right now. And I I have that conversation with people often that, you know, they're they're often like, I don't know what my life's purpose is. I don't know what I'm trying to the cause I'm trying to champion or the thing I'm trying to do in the world. And I said, like, oh, well, I, I'm not sure I do either, but this is the one I picked today. Why don't yeah. you pick something today? And I, I think that is a powerful, I think when my buddy, his name is Josh, by the way, he's my business partner and we, uh, uh, we've been friends for a long, long time. But when he said, Hey, that's an important, when you said out loud, I, I think I was put on this planet to help people gather together to, to talk about the importance of life. When he said that's important, like that was him giving me permission. I think we need people in our lives to give us permission to, be ourselves, right? We have so many other things in our life telling us not to, or telling us to try to conform or try to try to meet certain standards or achieve in certain ways. And when somebody in your life gives you permission to run with that, that sounds like it's really you run with that. What a, what a gift that is. And boy, to your other point, Kara, you're right. We, I think we are living in a lonely, disconnected, divided world that feels to a lot of people my age anyway, like it's getting worse by the minute. I don't know if that's true or not, or if I'm just yeah. getting old and cynical, but gosh, if we can create spaces where people can come together across the political divide, or we can create spaces where people can come together no matter what their faith is, no matter what they believe, or even if they believe, and then come together and talk about mysteries. They can talk about the things they wonder about. They can talk about the big questions of life, the things that are hard as yeah. humans. Uh, that's all faith was supposed to do anyway, I think. And uh, anyway, I'm I'm always excited when I can create those spaces or help those spaces thrive. Yeah. And I think that's to your point of these are the harder things of life. That's why we need to be able to communicate about them because we don't understand them. And things happen in our lives that we don't understand. Um, and so I think we need that ability to communicate with the people around us to help us flesh it out a little bit yes. to make sense in our lives. Yes, yes. <laughs> and we're practicing less and less, right? I mean, even pre-COVID, pre-lockdown and masks and stay six feet away from each other, pre-all that, we had been getting, I mean, just more and more distant, more and more technological, more and more digital in our interactions, which means we're practicing little conversations less, which make us less and less likely to be successful at the big conversations or to be brave enough to have the big conversations or to even just be practiced at them and imagine the impact that's having on our kids and imagine the impact it'll have on other generations. This matters. It matters very much for us to remember how to be human with each other, how to connect, how to look each other in the eye and have real conversations again. Uh, like this. Uh, this is, I believe, a reason the self-help book industry blew up. I believe it's the, a reason podcasts have exploded in the way that they have, because you and I can have a conversation, but our listeners right now, your listeners can feel like they're in the room with us. That's why I love podcasts, because uh, yeah. you can sit there with people and just be there with them and feel a real conversation in a way that we don't get to in our normal work life or our normal family life that is so rushed and hurried and task oriented. I could go on and on, Kara. This is fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why for me, I am a physical therapist by trade, which I've told you, but yeah. I've taken the past five years or so to more be at home with my kids and my family. And we still have younger kids that are not school age. And so, but I missed those conversations in the clinic yeah. with patients where I was spending 45 minutes to an hour with someone for six to 
eight, 10 weeks. And I really felt like I got to know people and hear their life story because pain is involved in their life story as well. And I missed that. But right now is not the time in my life and our family that I'm going to go back out to the clinic. So I was like, well, how can I merge this idea of, you know, talking to people, still getting to hear people about their life and what's really interesting about them and the things that make them tick. And I'm like, well, my other passion is books, <laughs> although that was not what I've been mm-hmm. trained, quote unquote, to do. Um, but I was like, you know, I'll do this whole podcast thing because I feel like it could be a great avenue to get that conversation again. And I feel so charged up after I have this. So I think it makes me be better in my family, <laughs> right? Because I get a little bit of moment that's outside of being mom. I get a, some time to be creative. And so I've loved this venture. So I really appreciate you coming on to be another guest here. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. Kara, what, the way you just described that, I need you to know, is so important. Like what you just described is is what I, I, I don't know, I I use the phrase sacred human connection. And sacred human connection doesn't mean, doesn't have to mean we're talking about God or we're talking about religion or it, 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 it's the feeling you had when you truly connected with your clients. And then you said, I'm going to find an avenue to recreate that in my life, not just because I like it, but because it makes me better. It brings out another side of me. I mean, I think you just said like, having a podcast might give you new energy to be an even more engaged mom and, and member of a family. Like what a, that's a big deal. That, that is, this is recharging your spirit so that you can give more Kara. Like I want people to find that in their life. I want people to understand that when they can connect in just the, the most real ways, uh, I'll use the word sacred or powerful, powerful conversations. It gives you power and it allows you to take that energy elsewhere. And maybe that's what, you know, some people might call it the Holy Spirit. Some people might go, I don't, I don't know what it is, but it's, it is real. There's real energy in it. And it's a gift in your life. If you know how to use it, how fun care. Yeah, well, thank you. So could you tell us a little bit about how people may contact you if they're a business and they want you to come chat with them or how, you know, how can we reach you? Sure. Yeah. So I've got lots of brands out there. I'm a a serial entrepreneur in a way, or at least I keep restarting the same idea in different avenues is probably what I actually do. But (laughs) my most recent venture is called Between, and uh, it's sort of paired with another brand called Today I Pray. But this is all the faith-oriented stuff. And this is maybe an open invitation to anybody in the world to participate in a, in a completely free, this is not a business, this is me just doing something I'm really passionate about too, Kara. Um, but Between is a digital, global faith community that is a BYOB, bring your own beliefs community. Uh, and that. it's entirely focused on helping people transform their daily interactions into moments of sacred human connection. And so it's like, uh, it's like, a, I don't know, like a digital, like an online mini church. I don't know. It might be some, but, but it's people of all faith backgrounds, no faith background. Uh, and it's pretty easy. So between.church is where you can find it. www.between.church okay. or on Instagram is where I live. Most of the time I've got two handles. You can follow me at, at today. I pray for you. It's a long one. Okay. Or at fired up Matt. 
Fired Up is spelled with a PH. That was the, that's the name of my first company that I started that is still going strong. And I'm really, really proud of, uh, but it's P-H-I-R-E-D-M-A-T-T. Fired Up Matt is where you can find my personal Instagram account. That's where you see pictures of me and my family and me trail running and me hiking on mountains here in Colorado where I live. Oh, that's so fun. I love seeing that. So I will, listeners, don't worry, I will have all of that in the show notes. So if you're driving or you're out and about, you don't need to worry about writing that down. I will include that in the show notes. And I know Matt and I, we just started following each other yesterday, but I'm excited to see these hiking photos. My husband and I were originally from Chicago. Yeah. He joined the military. So now we've been traveling the world with the military and we've realized that we really like being outside hiking, yep. which growing up in flat Illinois was not a... <laughs> no, we didn't even know that was an option. Yeah. No, exactly. And we are not huge winter sports people. So we realized we like a shorter, less cold winter season. So we, we still don't know where we're going to end up forever when we're done with the military. But for right now, we're just using in the Navy to move us around and maybe we'll find somewhere we like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, the Navy's got some pretty nice little locations it can it can place you in. We have been very, very lucky in our duty station assignments, so I have nothing to complain about there. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, let's switch gears a little bit and let's talk about who you are as a reader. I know you've mentioned you read a lot and you devour books, so I'm really excited to hear about this. Yeah, I, I really think who you are as a reader is like a... Ooh, that's a, that's a question. That is a, that is a question that it's deep in your soul. If you let it, there's a mechanical answer. Of course, there is a, I, I've got a, I'm, I'm better at buying books than I am at reading them. I'm, 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 <laughs> I've got a stack on my nightstand here. We're here in my office and I could pull, there's literally a stack of, I think this is seven books sitting right next to my computer, just out of sight of the, of the camera that we're recording on. Uh, there is, uh, I've always got books in my Kindle, uh, always one half read in my Kindle, one half read on Audible and, uh, you know, seven half read on my nightstand. And then one that I'm actually into, right? Like that's, uh, yeah. that's the mechanical way that I read. And I don't think I'm alone there, but I also think there's a, um, I'm, I'm mostly a nonfiction reader. I'm mostly a, uh, I don't, uh, uh, general nonfiction. I, I I can't pick a category. If, if I, if I categorize myself as a writer, I'm a not very good and B uh, uh, I love it and C I'm, I'm very bullet pointy. I'm I'm very eight steps to your life success story. That's how I think, how I write, how I, yeah. and, and so I've got a lot of books like that. I've got a lot of self-help books. I've got a lot of business books that have helped me uh, shape some of my business ventures but gosh, the ones that get me excited, I think, are the are the ones that speak to my soul. Most of those are nonfiction. There's a handful yeah. that I can think of that have been that have been fiction, that have been either great works of sort of historical fiction or some more recent authors that just sing to you, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think uh, I also had the thought, who am I as a reader? I also had the thought that I collect books because I think they make me feel more legitimate, Kara, if that's uh, okay to be honest about. I, yeah. I think if the, the more books I have in my house, the smarter I think I am and the more confident I feel about things. Maybe that's rooted in some, you know, childhood insecurity, being from a small town, not feeling like I'm, I'm made for the big time, you know? So I think I keep reading books by people I think are cooler than me, more impressive than me. And then I feel like I get to absorb a little of their impressiveness. That's a, that's a little part of my reality. I think that's a, it's funny. I, the books on 
on Kindle uh, or on my e-reader or on Audible. I like, and I'll have one to offer today in our in our flight. But sure. uh, uh, I don't like that I don't have it in my house. And I have, in fact, read a book online, read an ebook, and then just bought the physical book so that I could have it as a trophy in my house. That's a that's a, <laughs> that's me being honest and admitting something to you, Kara. So there's yeah. I don't know. We could psychoanalyze that another day, I would guess. I recently, actually, just my birthday was in March, so I told my husband, I was like, okay, I think it's time to get a Kindle. I had one, like, many moons ago, but it was the first generation one, and then it just kind of bit the dust because technology progressed past it, and I just, I was like, I think it's time. You know, now that I've been doing this, I've had some authors on the show, and they've sent me their books in the ebook format, and I'm like, I hate reading on the iPad because it's so distracting. There's so many things coming in or I could do, so I'm like, get me the Kindle. But I was, I had it last night and I love the books that I'm reading on there just as much as I love the Mm. physical book. But I think Mm. what I've discovered that I don't like is the heft of the book and knowing how far along I am. I know I could look at the percentage at the bottom of the screen, but that is just not how I've been taught to read or trained myself in reading. And so I realized that's what I think I don't like about it is that I'm not seeing the pages get smaller and smaller on the other side of the book to know I'm like almost done. Kara, I I absolutely look at the percentage and then imagine in my mind holding a book and like how far along like I yeah. I I I physically picture it in my mind so that I can think about how few pages I have left or how thin the the right side of the book is. Absolutely, I know that feeling. Yeah, and I'm like, and it seems so daunting when it says like you're only twelve percent of the way. But I feel like if I was reading a physical book, I would think, oh, there's so much to come in this yeah. book. Like it's interesting <laughs> yeah. how my mindset has been yeah. different with reading on this Kindle that I've recently acquired or reading a physical book. Yeah. Like, that's why do I have that? That seems so it's 12% in physical or 12% yeah. on Kindle. It does not yeah. matter. Yeah. <laughs> but I have a different mindset around it, which I just yes. was laughing at myself last night. So <laughs> All right. Well, and then I imagine actually with your job mm-hmm. And, you know, what you're doing going out in the world, I actually think how you said you're a writer in bullet point format, I think that's probably more approachable for what I'm imagining you're teaching like seminars or you're going in. And so bullet points are what you need in your world. So it's good that you're good at writing that. Yeah, you're right that it is. uh, I'm a I'm a pro at putting together a PowerPoint slide deck with, you know, just the just the right amount of points. And, and, you know, there's always three to five and I always know where to put them. And I know how to put a story at the beginning and put a story at the end. And yeah, so I end up writing in the exact same way, whether I'm just writing online or I'm writing uh, for Instagram, which I've uh, turns out I did not know when I started using Instagram that it was going to be my primary writing medium, that that would be a place that I would get to be creative and and actually explore my words and explore my ability to write in new ways. But that's that's a space or in, in some of the books that we've we've worked on. Like, yeah, I'm uh, I am uh, bullet points work for the for the type of work I'm trying to do. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. Well, let's jump out to our book flight today. So I'd love to hear what your first book of our pairing is going to be. Yeah. My first book today that I want to offer is called Wholehearted Faith by Rachel Held Evans. It's funny, as I was reviewing this book, this this book I read in January of 2022, so a little over a year ago now, about a year and a half ago. And I think part of reading, I I referenced this earlier, but I I really believe this. 
part of reading, part of the reason I've fallen in love with reading is that it allows you to have a conversation. And I mean a two-way conversation. I don't mean a conversation where you just sit and listen. Yeah. See, when you, I, I think when I pick up a book, I'm picking it up with all of my needs at the moment, all of my dreams at the moment, all of my problems at the moment, all of my stresses at the moment. Mm -hmm. And all of those things are meeting the words of the author. And that's why sometimes when I pick up a book, I don't read, I don't keep, I get bored and I set it aside. I, I, I roll my eyes at it because it doesn't meet, it's yeah. not showing up in an authentic way for me at that moment. But this book, Wholehearted Faith by Rachel Held Evans, showed up for me in January, 2022 in such a, such a pure way, such a real wonderful way. I, th I think I was probably going through a bit of a, a, I don't know, one of the many career moments of career crisis or, you know, sort of what is, what am I doing here? Is this, is this work matter? You know, I'm sure I'm not the only person Finding who's ever had that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> and then forgetting it and refinding it. Yeah. But I, I, I picked up this book and I was really just trying to figure out how can I make some of the things that I'm passionate about, especially in the faith world, how can I, how can I bring that to life? Is that even possible for me? And this book was just sort of sitting on my shelf, I think, or, or I just, I don't know where it came from. It was just one of those. You just, I guess I'll just read this book and it showed up for me to just answer those questions, but not in a, not a literal way at all. So wholehearted faith, I want to tell you one of the coolest things about this book is not even the content of the book. It's the story about the book. Yeah. So Rachel Held Evans, uh, a pretty popular Christian author, um, especially in the sort of progressive Christian space, the sort of maybe post-Christian space, the deconstructing Christian world. Um, and she had gotten pretty popular, right? Like yeah. famous people knew her. She was on some TV shows on The View, you know, that kind of thing. So, She's written a bunch of books. The first book I read of hers, I think, is uh, it's called Evolving in Monkey Town. But she's written a bunch of other ones, Searching for okay. Sunday, a bunch of others. Um, anyway, she, in 2019, I didn't know this. I, I I didn't follow her really closely. I was just a fan of some of her books. Sure. Um, and I, uh, I pick up this book and I'm reading it. And I'm like, what is this introduction? Well, it turns out in 2019, I hadn't realized that she had passed away that uh, she's, she's, she's in this book was published posthumously because wow. her husband, after she died and she died suddenly, she died sort of within a month of uh, getting an infection from a medication, uh, like an allergic reaction wow. to a medication. She's 37 years old, wow. uh, a mother of two uh, uh, young kids. And her husband asked her friend after she died, asked her friend, his name is Jeff Chu, asked him if he would finish this book for her because she had an 11,000 page manuscript stored on a thumb drive, you know, or on a computer someplace. Wow. And he said, yes. And and I, I think just the introduction, just like the story about what this book was going to be kind of shook me a little because it sort of challenged me, somebody who's you know a little older than that, but in that same sort of age range. Yeah. Wow. What uh, if that happened to me? Yeah. How would people honor me? Like, what a way to honor a person. What a way to finish her work and give it to the world because it deserved to be out in the world. What a way to honor a person. And so, I have the chills. Woo. Yeah. Part of the <laughs> part of this book is. 
not even the book. It's the story of the book that is just so beautiful. So uh, so Jeff Chu took that manuscript and a bunch of other of her works and did a bunch of research and just took this book over the finish line, but doesn't doesn't insert his voice, tries to really make it sure. Rachel speaking uh, to us still. And it's just a, just a beautiful gift to the world. The, 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 the message of the book is, uh, uh, this idea of what does it mean to live with a wholehearted faith, even, or maybe even especially if you, your faith includes a significant amount of doubt. And so doubt is a big, heavy theme in this book. And, uh, leaning into that and understanding that maybe that's where the best version of faith can be found is within that doubt and exploring that doubt and uh, being settled in that doubt. Even I, I just, uh, it's a, it's a beautiful book that maybe the last thing I'll say in my little yeah. monologue here about this book is that it's, she uses an old Jewish prayer called the Shema uh, to uh, sort of structure the book a little bit. Like it's sort of uh, weaved that prayer is weaved throughout the book in different ways. And there was something about her using that prayer that challenged me personally to think about my own prayer life as it yeah. were. Uh, a prayer was always something that, especially prayer out loud. I'm not one of those people who can stand up and be like, you know, say all the right fancy Christianese words to make everybody feel like I'm the cool guy who knows how to give a good prayer. I, I stumble through, I, I I'm kind of half sentence guy in prayer. And so I started to think about why is that? Why am I afraid to pray in front of people? I'm a professional speaker for a living. Why, <laughs> why, when I was asked to officiate my best friend's wedding, I was, I was like, yes, but uh, I'm going to ask somebody else to do the prayer parts. Um, and uh, I've got lots of stories related to that, but gosh, what is, what's, what's that about? And I thought I'd explore it more. And that actually is what made me start a daily prayer habit that I posted on Instagram. And that's what the Today I Pray For You Instagram account actually is. It's just me practicing praying out loud every day. And challenging yourself. Yeah. And feeling how building a habit, a positive, meaningful habit to me. And by the way, praying in my own way, not praying in a way that is trying to impress anybody else, but just praying for myself and then posting it on the internet. How does that transform my life? And gosh, it's it's transformed in a lot of ways. And I could draw it all back to the fact that Rachel Held Evans in this book, man, she she used that old Jewish prayer and she explored it throughout the book. And it was just sort of a subtle thing. It wasn't eight steps to build a daily prayer habit, right? Which sure. is what I probably would have preferred, but <laughs> it was uh, uh boy, it struck me, it struck just the right chord in my conversation with this incredible author at just the right time in my life. Yeah. And back to what books do for us and what you're saying, I think that that's amazing. Like that, that one book, hmm. look what it's created for you. Yeah. That's incredible. Here, if I can be really honest, when I was reviewing this book um, for today, for, for yeah. this conversation, I didn't remember reading most of it. Like like when I was sure. re like flipping through the page, I was like, I don't remember any of this stuff. But wow, I know for sure that it it knocked me over at the time, right? Like that's yeah. a, it feels like it reading can sometimes be this temporal thing, this this thing that happens in a moment, a real conversation in a real moment in your life. Yeah, I actually have the last quote in the show is books come into your life when you most need them. 
yeah. along those lines because yeah. I totally believe that. And I actually think I also have this belief that people do too. Yes. Yeah. So books and people, they come into our lives when we most need them. And, and that doesn't always mean it's going to be a good interaction, yeah. right? It could be a bad interaction, but it's going to teach us a lesson. And wow, what for this book, this yeah. is amazing. I think I love what you were talking about with doubt because I think that it is from what I have heard of is a huge resistance for a lot of people to maybe explore their faith a little bit more because they feel like they're not going to be accepted because they have this doubt That's right. when actually no, like it's universal and you know, it's universal love regardless of your doubt. Yes. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Carrie, you and I agree there. I actually gave a, like a TEDx talk a little, a few, a uh, few years ago on the idea of uncertainty The the entire talk Actually, I gave the entire talk in question form, which was a heck of a challenge for myself too. But wow. uh, it's a fun talk. I don't know if anybody else likes it, but I, it's something I'm one of the most one of the things I'm most proud of. Yeah, I'll have uh, to check it out. Yeah, it's super fun. <laughs> um, it's called Curiously Uncertain. Uh, you can find it on the, the anyway. I can send it to you later. But man, I, okay. I love it. But the the reason I, I I mention it is because I am passionate. I I often say I worship uncertainty. I have no idea what the what the answers to the big questions of life are. I just love wondering about them with people and trying to figure it out together. Uh, and if you have to have doubt to do that, you have to have uncertainty to do that. I think certainty limits us. Certainty limits our ability to relate to each other. It limits our ability to grow and to learn and to experience deeper spirituality or deeper human connection. Uh but uncertainty unlocks that. Doubt is a key, I think, to growth. I really do believe that. Yeah. And I think what you're saying too is that in exploring that doubt and having the space to do that, you're opening up to trust. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Yes. And that whether that's trust in whatever your belief is or trust in the person you're having the conversation with. And that's a hard thing. Yeah, it is. That's a really, it's another hard thing, but I think by opening up to the doubt and leaning into that, you're also have, you're having some trust there that you can do that, that you have a space to do that. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think trusting, trusting the universe, trusting God, trusting yourself, trusting that everything's going to be okay. Those are really hard things to do. And so being certain is a protection against that saying, well, I know what I, I know that I'm right. That is a protection against that, right? That is a protection against that the thing that is really scary, which is truly trusting. Carrie, you you hit the nail on the head. Yeah, I in recent years when we've experienced you know hardship or grief or things that have come into our life, I've really taken changed my attitude towards it now or the way I approach God. I'm I'm no great prayer writer or speaker mm -hmm. myself, but if just switching the gear a little bit to say. I know you're here. I know this is here to teach me a lesson. I mm. don't want to go through it, right? Of course. I'm like, yeah. there's doubt. I don't want to go through this. This is going to hurt. This is going to be painful. This is going to cause grief. You know, I, I'm still resisting, <laughs> but just switching the question to be like, what is this here to teach me? Yeah. I think has allowed me to open up my heart to trust a little bit more that, yeah, this is going to suck, but yes, I will become whether it's a better person or I will learn this lesson and it'll, it'll make me something different in the end. <laughs> That's a, Kara, maybe, maybe faith, maybe a definition of faith is to trust the suck. That's a, yeah. that's a pretty powerful <laughs> concept, but anyway. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, because I feel like there's so many people. Yeah, you'll hear the well. Why did God let this happen? If there is a God, why did He let this bad thing happen? And I think we have to look at it as like, well, what is it here to teach us? Hmm. What yeah. what is this? You know, yeah, this sucky thing here to teach us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, well, I digress. I kind of took away from the book a little no. bit, but I also love that you were talking about how having spoken prayer makes you uncomfortable. I kind of got like the palm sweat as you were saying that because I felt what you were feeling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so recently I go to a Bible study of, of like women and moms and the leader was out. So I had kind of become like the, you know, the leader of the group that yeah. day. And like, okay, well, can you do the prayer at the end? And I kind of was like, no one else wants to do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, Carrie, you're going to be great. You're going to do it. You're going to be great. And and sure enough, I was fine. Sure. I, I had to trust in the moment yeah. that I would be fine and I would find the right words to say. And then at the end of the day, God, I know that God knows what's in my heart, no yeah. matter if I get the right word or not. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a passage. I'm not a scripture uh, memorizer, but there's a passage that's like, you know, don't Jesus teaches people don't go pray on the don't go pray on the streets trying to show off to people. Go yeah. pray alone in your closet. Is basically is basically that that lesson. Yep. And I, I, that's that's how I'm like. Well, that's that, I'm comfortable with that. That I could do that. Yeah. But if you want me to give, I've I've gotten the chance to preach at churches around here and uh, uh, at my own church, and I'm always really honored anytime I get to do that. And I think I'm a pretty good preacher. I think I can nail that sermon, but. I always tell my head pastor, like, yeah, but you're doing the you're doing the the prayer afterwards. That's not that's not me. <laughs> He's yeah. always very kind and graceful. He's like, someday you'll you'll be confident enough to do it. Yes, yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah, shout out to my husband because I feel like whenever we host a you know holiday or whatever, I usually pawn it. Well, you're the you're the man of the house. You should do the prayer. <laughs> pawn it off on him. So. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, that was Wholehearted Faith by Rachel Held Evans. Is there anything else you'd like to add about that one? Oh, gosh, so much. There are passages I'd love to read. There are, uh, there, but I, I think, I think we've, we've at least primed the pump there a little bit for anybody considering this book, mostly the, uh, just the, the beauty of having somebody honor you in such a way to finish finish a book and to give your words to the world because those words need to be shared. What a gift and what a dream of the kind of legacy you might want to live. Uh, you, you might want to live for, you might want to search for. I just, I love the story of this book. I love the book itself. I love the, what this book did for me. Yeah. I'll be totally honest. I lost my dad 12 years ago now and I was an only child. So I've inherited everything. My husband joined the Navy literally Within two weeks of my dad passing, mm. he had found out he got in the Navy. And my husband's like, we have to figure out where we're going. They gave us Florida or Hawaii. And I'm like, I literally cannot make a decision right now in my grief. But a lot of stuff my mom, God bless her, has kept at her house. But I did take some of the stuff. I've taken like his hard drive. My dad was a musician. And I yeah. have a notebook of songs that he's written. And I, I will be totally honest that I still have not really cracked the pages on that because sure. I think it's going to be too painful. Yeah, yeah. So amazing for her husband this is why i'm saying this that he had the ability to do that because i feel that grief and i'm I, like how hard that is to just see her words over her manuscript oh, right and yeah and, and do something with it like i feel like i'm still mired in this this is going to be too painful to do so i don't do it wow but i mean I, we don't have to live here too long kara but since you opened that door i mean to someday 
when the moment's right and you do crack that notebook open to to get to have that conversation again. I mean, that's what you get to do, right? Yeah. Like in in the moment, and and you'll bring to it everything that's real for you in that moment. What what a there is something beautiful. I think we all want to live live on. We all want to find the fountain of youth. We all want to find eternal life. And maybe writing, maybe this work, recording podcasts, maybe some of this is us trying to figure out a way to do it trying to figure out a way to have conversations with people uh, years after we're gone. And what a, what a beautiful, heavy, sure, but important thing. (laughs) I I love it. I love it. Yeah. All right. Well, what is the second book of the pairing today? Second book today is uh, relatively new to me, a new author to me. I did not know about this author until uh, probably three or four months ago, and I picked up this book, and then I've since read another book of hers. The The author's name is Shannon Martin, and the book that I want to talk about today is Start With Hello. Start With Hello, and the subtitle is In Other Simple Ways to Live as a Neighbor. So uh, this book... So Kara, uh, I, I wrote a book with some friends back in like 2012. And that book is called Social Excellence, We Dare You, How Handshakes Can Change the World. It's bullet pointy. I'm proud of it. Yeah. uh, uh, And it's, it was, it helped solidify our speaking career and our consulting career in lots of cool ways that books are powerful and what they can do for a person too. If, 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 if you've got a book out there, you're thinking about writing, gosh, just write it, just write it, see what it does for you. It's a, it's a powerful thing. Yeah. But when I read this book, start with hello by Shannon Martin, the first half of it, every page I'd turn and I'd read something and it'd be like, what? Like I teach that. That's a bit that I do on stage when I speak. I think I wrote that, but, but then I'd be like, no, she writes it a hundred times better than I, this is like, if I, this is a book I wish I had written if I was an author who was a hundred times better at writing than I actually am. This, this book spoke to me through my own. It was like, yeah, yes, this is, I believe all this because I think I teach all this. I love it. But she does it in a, in a, in a deeper way, in a, in a, in a more real raw way and in a more poetic way through her words. So Shannon teaches this idea of finding the sacred in simple things. In fact, her first book is called the ministry of ordinary things. I think that's the title ministry of ordinary things. Okay. And, uh, and this book is like this, almost a practical guide to being a neighbor, <laughs> And what that really means, um, there's a couple quotes from the book. Is it okay if I read a couple quotes from yeah, the book? Yeah, please do. A couple do. short. These are really short ones. No, please do. Um, she writes at one point, she says, our attention is spent one small, seemingly mundane choice at a time. Ensure that your tiny choices reflect our grand ambitions for how people experience you and how you experience the world. It's all you've really got. Man, I... This is what I mean. This is literally from the stage. I teach this uh, I, over and over. One of my favorite th- lessons to teach is every moment is a choice. And the choices we make in any little momentary interaction that we have with somebody else, the way we fill the space between somebody, our, ourselves and somebody else at any given moment is who we are. That's all we've got. If we want our faith to come, to, if we want to embody our faith or our deepest beliefs or our values or however you want to guide your life, 
The only place for that to manifest itself is in the space between ourselves and other human beings. And the only way we do it is by making little momentary choices. And so Shannon writes that much better than I I could and, and expounds on that. And this just wonderful memoir of a book. This is really kind of a, a memoir that teaches you how to be a neighbor, uh, which yeah. is, gosh, as we were talking earlier, Kara, like, isn't that what our world needs a little bit more of? So she she expounds on the neighbor thing. Here's a little short section of Shannon's writing. You are my neighbor. I commit to seeing your humanity first, then ask questions later. You are my neighbor, and I am here to care for you in ways that are tangible and loud. I love that. Wow. Care for you in ways that are tangible and loud. Uh, Shannon talks about opening her house, like radical openness in the way that she opens her house. She and her family moved to Goshen, Indiana, which is, here's the other thing about this book. Goshen, Indiana is about uh, 30 minutes from where I grew up. I don't live anywhere near there anymore. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. But it's, uh, um, I grew up in this real small town in Southwest Michigan, right on the border of Indiana and uh, kind of working class town. Uh, uh, didn't, I didn't grow up with a lot of money, a lot of fancy stuff. That's not, not yeah. a world that I come from. And she talks about moving into this town, um, not with a lot of money or anything, but moving into this town and moving into maybe even a poorer part of this town uh, intentionally, intentionally to be with people, to live, uh, to live in a way that is truly aligned with what she and her husband believed. Her husband, I think, is a, a, a maybe forgetting a detail, but I think he's a he's a pastor. But I know he works in a prison nearby. He works okay. with the incarcerated. And so many stories in this book are about them opening the doors of their house and actively reaching out as a neighbor to people who are in difficult moments in their life, whether they're just coming out of prison or they're dealing with addiction or they're dealing with just the struggles of everyday life in America. And But there's something so familiar about the places and the setting and the and the people that she talks about in this book is like, I know this. And that was the thing that first struck me about this book was when I first started reading, it, I was like, is, does she live where I grew up? Like, like, is this, is this about me? Is this like, is this, there is something. So the anecdotes were just so they felt like walking down the streets of my town that I grew up in. And that's, I don't return there very often and I'm not deeply connected there anymore. So it sure. was, nostalgia mixed with, I don't know, some other feelings that are a little complicated to explore, but um, yeah. gosh, yeah. I, I I love this book. The back half of the book gets into, I, you know, this is one of those, I should have checked the published date. I, I will while we're talking because this feels like, yeah. So this is published in 2022, um, okay. uh, clearly written in 2021, right after uh, sort of the Black Lives Matter movement uh, rises in a really powerful way in this country. And there's a sort of the back half of the book sort of addresses uh, this uh, Shannon, an author, a white woman um, reconciling uh, her understanding of an experience of race in America and race in the intersection of, of uh, socioeconomic experience in America and, and sort of all of those things that really kind of in a raw way explores that for her. Again, a really cool conversation to have with an author that is temporal and that is that is of the moment and that is real 
uh, when it was written. So anyway, I, I, this book is, I teach the idea of how to connect with people. This teaches the idea of how to connect with people in even more extreme ways and in even more um, uh, loving ways, caring for people in ways that are tangible and loud, I think is what Shannon said. So I, yeah. I love this book. Yeah, I think what you're kind of saying, that last part there about, you know, all of the stuff going on in our country and exploring it in a raw way, those, those are the hard topics mm -hmm. we're faced with, right? And so to be able to figure out how to have that conversation or, you know, even just starting with the book, like you're saying, like that could be the conversation right there. And yeah. you read that and explore that for yourself and then bringing that out into the world. Um, I'm thinking about growing up in a small town similar here, but just how you how that felt to you, right? Like that was a book that spoke to you and not just from what the topics it was talking about, but from the nostalgia piece. And I think yeah. that's so cool. Probably I imagine 30 being 30 miles from where you grew up, like geographically and the Midwest is its own beast a little yep. bit, right? Like yep. it's <laughs> Yeah, that's right. These are the same people. This is the same yeah. they they live the same story in such a such a real way as to as me growing up and my neighbors growing up and you know the people down the street that I didn't that I didn't talk to enough because they were uh, they were different than me and like all of those things are real and they all kind of re-showed up for me in the reading of this book yeah we moved to a small town when I was in going into sixth grade and it was kind of the same thing right of like everybody had didn't talk to you because they had such a like you know their community was already established so to like break into a small town community being yeah. an outsider was a challenge too and yeah. i was i had hit my growth spurt so i was like the tallest out of the entire sixth grade yeah. class as a girl it was so it was the worst <laughs> i survived but <laughs> I was like, here I am, super shy, book nerd, really tall, and moving to a, a community that was hard to break into. But yeah. <laughs> I live to tell my story today. That's right. <laughs> um, and then the last part that I was thinking about is those tiny choices that you're mm -hmm. talking about. And and for me, a big tenet of like what I'm trying to teach my kids is, is that personal accountability. The only person you can control is yourself and your reaction in that moment. That's right. And well, and we often feel powerless, right? We often feel powerless for so many reasons. And, and some of those reasons are very legitimate and, sure. and complicated and societal. And when we realize we have power over the next choice we make, we have power over whether or not we wave to the neighbor across the street or we avoid eye contact. We have power over whether we look over the fence in our backyard and and uh, ask a question and invite them over for tea or invite them over for dinner that night. Like we have power over those choices and, and we have power not to make those choices. And a lot of times it's safer and better for us because that's where we are at that point in our life to yeah. not make those choices. But when we realize that we do have power over those choices, wow, that that gives us strength. And yeah, I agree. I want to teach my kids. I want to, I want them to know, like, I get it. If you don't choose to do those things, I get it in the middle school lunchroom. If you don't get to, you don't choose to go sit by the kid over there who's by themselves, because those are hard things to do. And that's a complicated social dynamic and there are consequences. Yeah. I get all of it. And you have power over that choice. You can make that choice. If you want you, you are not a, you are not a, just a product of society you get to shape this you get to co-create every room that you're in wow what a what a power to have yeah 
Yeah. And that gives them a little something, like you said, a strength to work with. <laughs> yeah. I'm also thinking of, um, with moving around with the military, we've had the chance to be neighbors a lot. <laughs> we yeah. move a lot. Um, and I've found honestly that my most, the duty stations that I have enjoyed the most are when we have had a community. So there has been times when we've maybe had young children or we're only going to live somewhere for one year that I might be tempted to not put myself out there because mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, you just, I'm either tired or sleep deprived or what's the point? We're leaving very shortly after this. But I, if I look back over the 12 years of doing this, the places that I've enjoyed the most is when we have and it might not be a neighbor per se, but when we have a community, when we've put ourselves out there and integrated ourselves and we have this community of people to build you up. So what a powerful way to do that in just your living situation, right? In your neighborly situation. So it gives me a little bit of, you know, oomph behind like, no, I need to, you know, for me to change, right? And to be a better neighbor where we're at right now. Yeah, I often, I often use the phrase, create the culture you crave. And I think we sometimes forget that, you know, when we move into a neighborhood, first of all, that is hard to move around a lot and to, as soon as you unpack, okay, now my next job is to do the most difficult thing in the world, which is to build intimate relationships with the people, the strangers living around me who all have their own problems and all have their own to-do lists and all have their, yeah. and all we can do is, is, you know, take the coffee cake across the street and knock on the door. That's all we can do. All we can do is pick up the phone and all we can do is wave to the neighbor as they're driving out and hope that we get to remember their name next time. That's all we can do is make those little choices one at a time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for giving me a little bit of fire <laughs> behind that, but I'll have to grab this book and read about that. So that was Start With Hello by Shannon Martin. And then what's the last book of our pairing today? You know, the last book is the book I'm maybe most excited about. Uh, this book I listened to on Audible. I listened to the audio version of this book, and okay. I want to strongly recommend, I mean, with absolute fervor, I recommend you listen to this book. This book is not just a book. I'm sure reading it. In fact, because I've listened to it, now I can't read any of her quotes from this book or anything else from this book without hearing the beautiful, peaceful, just, ah, just like summer breeze of a voice that is Barbara Brown Taylor. Barbara okay. Brown Taylor, the author, is a another uh, kind of progressive Christian, post-Christian. She used to be a minister. She isn't anymore. She left that world, uh, but still writes about faith in new and, and beautiful and fascinating ways. And the book that I want to recommend is called Learning to Walk in the Dark, again, by Barbara Brown Taylor. Okay. Uh, this book is something else. Uh, let's find a, let me find a quote. I've learned things in the dark that I could never have learned in the light. Things that have saved my life over and over again. So that there is really only one logical conclusion. I need darkness as much as I need light. This book is an exploration of darkness. What a, what a concept. Kara, you and I, I'm sure, I'm not going to assume for you, but uh, we are taught in our society that darkness equals bad. Always find the light. And that's a nice metaphor. It's a pretty easy, accessible metaphor. 
you, you can think about the application of that in your faith life. You can think about that application in uh, just some nice inspirational words that you might have. It's just a nice, easy metaphor. Dark, bad, light, good. We can yes. run that way. But Barbara Brown Taylor in this book, I mean, poetically explores darkness in a new way and suggests that maybe darkness, emotional darkness, physical darkness, maybe it has a lot more to teach us than we knew. Maybe we've been avoiding it all our life and a lot of the answers we're searching for were there all along. We just didn't we just had to be not afraid of the dark anymore. So she explores mental darkness, emotional darkness, spiritual darkness. She actually does a whole section near the end where she goes into a cave. She wanted to explore darkness in such a way that she she flew somewhere. I don't remember where, somewhere in the southeast. Wow. And she went she went caving. Now, this is not a young lady. And she she goes caving with it. Like this is not like walking through you know, mammoth cave that you saw a billboard for on the side of the highway. This is like they go in the back entrance where the professional cavers go to some, some cave deep, deep down to experience absolute darkness at a point which they turn off all their headlamps and flashlights and, and sit quietly for a long time <laughs> and just truly experience darkness. And that section of the book just struck me because it was adventurous. It was exciting in the way that she tells the story and it was spiritual. It was this, it was Plato's cave. It was this story about Jesus in the tomb, but it was all a, a metaphor of her actually going into a real cave and being real in the dark and describing in the most beautiful language, what she saw. She tells the story about how, there was this little crystal that she saw in her headlamp and she was able to pick it up a little rock with crystal elements in it. And that just shined so beautifully in the darkness of that cave. And it was like something she had never seen, like a, like a gem that had never been discovered before. And, and she puts it in her pocket and then goes home and gets out of the cave and goes, goes back. And later on, Oh, she remembers, Oh, I've got this beautiful gym. And she pulls it out of the bag that she stored it in her pocket or whatever. And she looks at it and it's a dull, boring <laughs> rock. And she says, what, 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 what happened? Like, what, what is this about? And she tells the story in such a way that like, she's, she realizes that the, the beauty of the rock could only shine in the darkness. Because in the light, the light drowns out the beauty, all the the noise of the light. And so we've got to somehow, and how that might teach us some things about ourselves, how when we experience darkness, maybe instead of running away from it, maybe, maybe we can realize that it's the only place we can see. The only time we have the gift of a chance to see the beauty that shines there. And if we look hard enough, and if we're brave enough to stay there, Maybe we might discover the beauty that's in there. I'll uh, I'll read one more one more little quote. Uh, Barbara Brown Taylor says, "After years of being taught that the way to deal with painful emotions is to get rid of them, it can take a lot of reschooling to learn to sit with them instead. Finding out from those who feel them what they have learned by sleeping in the wilderness." that those who sleep in comfortable houses may never know. 
she uh, does this whole other anecdote. I won't tell the long, as long of a story, but uh, where she goes to this kind of little dinky cabin in the, in the woods and sits there by herself and it's, and she's afraid and it's, it's scary because she's out there by herself in the woods in the dark in a non-secure cabin. But, but the uh, dealing with the emotions of fear and dealing with the emotions of, of loneliness and uh, isolation is a really powerful thing because those are emotions that we all deal with every day, but we're not practiced in. And there's something about feeling the extreme of those, not in a, she wasn't actually in danger. She was okay. Sure. She knew that, but uh, feeling an extreme of those. Yeah. Or the something... doubts crept in about it. Right? That's right. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. So I, gosh, and I just want to say again, her voice is relaxing. It is intoxicating. It is spiritual in itself. And listening, listening to this audiobook in the car was like the most, uh, it was transcendent. It was it was intoxicating. It truly was. It was, uh, I just love her voice. Yeah. Wow. That sounds incredible. I'm thinking about just the other night, my husband, we got the kids to bed and he was like, I need to go get gas really quick. Cause he leaves pretty early in the morning. So I'm sure he didn't want to deal with it first thing. And our youngest had started, you know, moving around upstairs. So I thought I might have to go up in the bedroom and I'm like, well, text me when you get back. Cause I'm going to lock the door. It's dark out. And it's, you know, it's like a sliding glass door out to the alleyway. And I was like, I'm going to lock the door. So just text me when you're coming back because it's, and he kind of looked at me and I was like, and just what you're saying, like I was over, it's dark out. I don't know why I think more sinister things might happen in the dark, but I'm like, in case I have to go up into the room with the white noise on, I'm not going to be able to hear downstairs. So just text me when you get back and I'll come Mm -hmm. down and unlock it. But Mm -hmm. like there was, I was not afraid that like, Nothing was actually threatening me, but I had this moment of like, no, it's it's dark and I don't want to be upstairs where I can't hear to protect my family yeah. while he's gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's real. I, yeah. So, I, I still, uh, I still won't go in the basement with the lights out. I will not do it. I am okay I saying that. I'm secure yeah. enough in my manhood to say, you know what? That's, nah, I'm not gonna. <laughs> yeah. Or running up the stairs after you turned the light off downstairs, yeah. I would scamper <laughs> up like, nope. Okay. It's. <laughs> We don't have basements here in California, but <laughs> I did that when I lived in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I'm thinking about as you were talking is the the darkness or these times that we're talking about that are hard or challenging to our life. That's when we're really going to make a change. You're not yeah. going to make a change in your life, a radical change, let's yeah. say, when life was all hunky-dory and you're happy and it's light and all of you're not going to make those radical changes to your life and to your human spirit until you go into the darkness. And I'm imagining maybe what she's talking about in this book is exploring that. So you can do that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, yeah. Finding a way to be comfortable or slightly more comfortable in the darkness because we're all going to be there at some point. Yeah. And if we're all going to be there at some point, we may as well know how to navigate in the dark. We may as well know how to, how to walk around, and not bump into things quite as often in the dark. Yeah. Or resist it. Right. Cause I yeah. think that's our tendency is to resist the hard. Yeah. So it is. Wow. Mm, I love okay. this book. Well, that might be my, uh, actually my, my girlfriends and I, we have a little book club and we do a lot more like self-reflective self-help mm-hmm. type books. And I love doing it in that capacity 
because I think we, it allows, I highlight a lot more because I want to have talking points to talk yeah. about when I go to book club and, and then talking about it a second time, it really does help you integrate it into your life versus just like you said, maybe surface reading it the first time you might get some points out of it, but I forget most of it, right? I can, yeah. I, a fictional story, I could tell you the story arc of how it went, but, yeah. um, I, I've loved it for that reason, but this might, we've been, we're looking for our next book. So I'm like, oh, that might be a really good one to read. I love it. <laughs> I, it. It is somehow both about the darkest moments in our life and it is entirely uplifting from the first page to the last page. There's nothing that sucks you into a, a dark place, actually. It just gives light to the dark to borrow from that broken metaphor. Yeah. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. So that's Learning to Walk in the Dark by Barbara Brown Taylor. Is there anything else you'd like to give us for parting words on that one? Uh, there is a light that shines in the darkness, which is only visible there. I'm just going to say that line again. Yeah. Uh, that is, uh, those are her words. Uh, I, uh, yeah. I, it's funny that listening to a book too is a whole different experience. It feels like a whole other medium. It feels it's a whole other way to experience something. Right. And, uh, I think podcasts give us a little bit of that too. They give us a little bit of the, uh, sitting with somebody and letting them, you know, just sort of surrendering to them, letting them guide us through this moment. You know, you're not, you're not reading with your voice, you're reading with their voice in a very real way. And that's a, that's a whole different experience. So that's a, that's probably worth exploring in another podcast episode. Yeah. What a cool experience to have though. Well, let's finish off today with our bonus pairings, which are just a speed round of questions. So you can just answer these really quick. Okay. Are you a rereader? No, I'm really not. I, I've probably reread one book in my life. That's not a joke. Yeah, I am okay. not a rereader. What uh -huh. book is it? Can I ask? Well, I don't know, but I remember okay. rereading something. But that was what book? You know what? I've probably reread uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People uh, by okay. Dale Carnegie. That was one of yeah. the, there's probably another question in here that's like, what's one book that has changed your life? That's one of the books that has changed my life that is, um, uh, but How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. I read it once when I was probably 24, and then I probably read it again 10 years later uh, to remind myself why it changed me, why it changed me so much. Yeah. Okay. Well, that is one of the questions. Do you have any other books you on the what was one book that changed your life or that's the one? I've got buckets uh, that, but that, that would, uh, that would be, you know, there's another book that I thought about that I would never tell, say out loud. Uh, when I was probably 22, no kidding. I read the book, Evelyn Woods, seven day speed reading program. Okay. And it was about how to read faster, but that was a little bit about my identity around reading was I'm a slow reader and I don't like to read. Then I read that book. And I was like, oh my gosh, it actually worked. I read the second half of the book twice as fast as I read the front half of the book. And, and as it turns out, like there were some good tips in there about how to, how to experience a book, not just plod through it as like maybe I learned in middle school. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, and it was that book that changed my life. Not, not in a weird way because it, it, it gave me confidence. It, it invited me into books more. It yeah. said, Books can be easier for you to access. Books don't have to, you don't have to read one book a year. You can, you can, you can absorb books and dive as deep into books as you want to. You can experience books in your own way. It kind of gave me permission in a, in a cool way. Oh, I love that. That's really cool. <laughs> Where is your favorite place to read? Airplanes. And I don't get to fly as much anymore, which is great because I get to be with my family a lot more. But, I, but for a long part of my career, I would travel a lot, like jump on an airplane, you know, once or twice a week and go to 
some place to speak or go to some place to teach her. And, um, and I would love to read on early mornings, give me a book on an airplane. And now when I travel, I feel like I watch TV. I watch movies, but I can download so many things. And I like, it kind of, it kind of takes away from some of that reading time. So, uh, uh, the other place is maybe a few times a summer. I will take a day where I don't really work and I'll, I'll lay on my hammock in my backyard and just nice. disappear from the world and I will read an yeah. entire book in the backyard. That is uh, that is a little gift in itself. Yeah, absolutely. I think to your point on airplanes, I think there's some excitement too about picking out the book that you're going to bring. Oh yeah. Yeah. There, there's a little, that adds a little bit of intrigue to the book. Yeah. Oh, and then it's in your bag the whole way there and you're thinking, yeah. oh, I'm going to pick up the, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And then lastly, what are you reading next? I am halfway through a book that is blowing my mind and challenging me in a new way. And I've set it aside, but it is still like still the book that I actually think I'm reading right now, but I haven't, I probably haven't picked it up for two months. Um, the book is called the meaning of Mary Magdalene, the meaning okay. of, so it's a, it's a faith book, meaning of Mary Magdalene by Cynthia Borgo. Um, and, uh, I'll be honest with you. I didn't know anything about I didn't know anything about the Gnostic gospels, the sort of these, uh, these ancient texts from people like Mary Magdalene, people like, uh, you know, all, all the Tom, the gospel of Thomas, the gospel of Mary Magdalene. I don't know anything about that because they're not in sort of the, the Canon Bible, sure. uh, the normal things that people know. And boy, oh boy, I started reading this and it's kind of blowing my mind because as it turns out, like there are these ancient texts that blend Eastern philosophy, Eastern spiritual philosophy with how I've come to know sort of Western Christianity. And I get excited as somebody who loves uncertainty and curious and is super curious and is an interfaith universalist. I am passionate about, whoa, like these things, they're not separate. They're they're on the same track they're 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 intersected and there there is a real connection there so i am and cynthia borgo is like this brilliant scholar and so a lot of what i'm reading here is like a little above my pay grade if you know what i mean carrot like i'm trying to keep up with her uh yeah. and i and so that's part of the reason i set it aside like i gotta i gotta build up some build up some stamina to get back into this book not because it's boring but because it is smart and I am not quite that smart and it, it is fun power. to keep up with. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Those are my morning reads, like the ones yeah. that take a little yeah. more brain power. Yeah. Um, have you read the book of joy? Yes, I absolutely. Okay. Have. Cause yeah. I was thinking that that is one that integrates, right? Like the Dalai Lama Yeah. and the, yeah. Archbishop Desmond Archbishop, Tutu. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I had a moment of like, I'm picturing the cover. Yep. Have you seen <laughs> um, the documentary about the writing of that book? I have not. It's I've out read right now. I don't know. Okay. It's on one of your streaming services, but look for sure. it. It is absolutely worth watching. It is beautiful watching the two of them interact. I talk about, actually give a sermon on that book and that documentary and on the things we could learn from watching the, the his holiness, the 14th Dalai Lama interacting with Archbishop, Archbishop Desmond Tutu and the way they looked at each other and the way they used humor and the way they were just normal men, just a couple of regular dudes having fun with each other, poking fun at each other and loving each other actively in a moment. It is yeah. beautiful to watch that. And that book is awesome. I agree. Yeah. And I love how it they come from such different backgrounds, but yeah. they were always arriving 
at the same ideas yeah. about a topic, but from yeah. a totally different background. So it was yeah. like this, this circumspect way of coming around to what they were saying and coming together. And I, I thought it was very beautiful too, but yeah. I thought of that when you said yeah. that. So yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. I know it's precious. So I appreciate what you have given me today. Kara, this is, uh, if I could do this all day, I, I didn't know there were people I could just sit around and talk about books with, Kara. This is, this is <laughs> one of my favorite things I've done in a long time. Thanks for inviting me. You're very welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Matt Matson and I in our discussion today on his book flight of books about the sacred space between us. We'd love to hear what other books you might pair with this book flight at bookishflights.com. That is also where you can find more information on today's flight and any other books that we talked about today. I want to inspire a community of readers. So whenever you share a post about what you are reading or what you are picking up next, especially if you have heard about the book on the show, please tag us. Follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Bookish Flights. This is a brand new show, so if you enjoyed it, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give the show a review. Your review not only helps me, but it also helps the show reach others. Make sure you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to make sure that you will not miss an episode. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. As Emma Thompson said, I think books are like people in the sense that they'll turn up in your life when you most need them. Cheers to you, dear readers. Until next time.